Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. I confess, as I have a couple other times this fall, this is not a scripture that I often think about. (laughs) Actually, I'm not sure that I've ever thought very much in depth about King Josiah and the missing scroll found somewhere in the temple. This is a kind of strange story, I think, for reasons I'll get to in a minute. But we've been following the last couple of months the story of Israel, ancient Israel. And remember how they did not have a king and they wanted a king so badly to be like the other nations around them. And God said, you don't want a king. But they kept asking and they kept asking and eventually they got a king. And there were a few good kings, but for the most part, the kings failed to live up to God's covenant. And as they say in this passage, uh, and is repeated throughout the book of Kings, they worshipped other gods, they had idols, they forgot God's ways again and again. This is all leading up historically to the fall of Jerusalem, the fall of the temple and the Babylonian exile, when the people were carted off to Babylon, where they wept, where they remembered Zion. It was traumatic and terrible, and the book of Kings and other books in our Bible that tell the history of Israel Scholars think are written from the perspective of that exile, where they're trying to make sense of what has happened to them. Why did God let this happen? And the Bible speaks in several voices about this, but one strong voice comes from this idea that the people strayed, and thus this is what happens. This is the natural consequence that things would fall apart and there would be pain because they did not follow the covenant. But today we have a king who is good, all good. It says he neither deviates to the right or to the left, King Josiah, who became king when he was just eight years old. He attempts to follow God's ways and picks up the mantle of his ancestors, Hezekiah, and tries to repair the things that his other ancestor, Manasseh, who was a bad king, messed up. He wants to reform the temple and refurbish it, and that's what we hear him doing Now, in the course of this refurbishment, or maybe they had just found the scroll and were just waiting for an opportune moment, 
right? It, becomes, it comes to light that this scroll has been found and is presented to Josiah, who is, I think, horrified to learn that they have been missing some of the scripture, some of the law, some of their covenant. And they send the people to the prophetess Huldah. We don't hear much about Huldah, but she's one of four female prophets named in the Old Testament. So I just want to point that out because, hey, we don't get that many female important characters with names in the Bible. Bible. But here, Huldah is. She is a prophet. And uh, the scripture doesn't seem to think that she's all that extraordinary. They don't make any comment about, why are they going to this female prophet? They just say, oh, they go to the prophetess Huldah. And so Huldah says, again, the refrain that we've been hearing, that God will punish the people or at least not protect them from the disaster and the destruction that is coming. But Huldah also says that King Josiah will be spared by not having to see this pain and this destruction. So here's what I think is strange or maybe just not what I would do at 26 years old. Josiah knows all this, knows that reform will not save the people. And yet, Josiah decides to reaffirm the covenant to lead the people back into the relationship with God, to follow the words of the scroll, again, knowing what Huldah has said, this disaster will come no matter what. And still Josiah goes forward with his reform. Still Josiah says it is worth it to follow God and to reaffirm this covenant and our place in it. We don't hear exactly what Josiah's motivation is. Maybe part of him does hope that God's mind will be changed. But maybe, too, Josiah is just being Josiah, the righteous young king who will follow the straight and narrow and not deviate to the right or the left because that's who he is. Maybe. Now, we are not kings. We don't often find missing scrolls dusty in our closets, although I can tell you there are strange things in various corners and cubbies of this church. We have found some of them and cleaned up over the last few years. But anyway, What does Josiah have to say to us? Well, I wonder about us and our motivation, our following God and our place in God's covenant. Someone asked me a couple weeks, months, I forget, it's all a blur now, about sort of heaven and hell, and I realized I don't talk very much with you all about heaven and hell. I grew up with a strain of Christianity, and we're probably familiar with it. It's a very loud voice that tries to save people from hell, right? 
that tries to redeem people to heaven, that focuses a lot on sort of getting this golden ticket into heaven and securing our place in the future. Now, I don't want to say that there's anything wrong with that, but as I was a kid growing up, that didn't leave me satisfied eventually when I grew up and realized everything wasn't all black and white. And what about God now? What about our lives now? What does God have to say about how we are to live? So, if we're not focused on the golden ticket or avoiding hell, which I kind of just try not to think about those things because who really knows? And again, that's a subject that the Bible speaks on in several voices about the afterlife. If we're not uh, following God for those reasons, why then do we follow God? Well, perhaps we are like Josiah. Perhaps, like Josiah, we find that there is richness to be found now, that following God and committing to God's ways of truth and life fill us now. That's the promise that I hope is true, that I've found to be true We follow God anyway, even if it doesn't change the world. That we love other people, even if they don't accept it. That we do what is right, even if calamity comes in the end. Because the rightness and the goodness matter so much now for us and for those around us. There are a variety of stories and literature, movies of varying kinds that you can think of your own, I'm sure, about kind of the end of the world, various apocalypses, zombies. Anyway, they're very popular these days. But what strikes me about many of them is what matters in those is seeing how the people decide to behave. Some of them just lose themselves in an attempt to survive, but some of the characters choose goodness and care, even though they know they're going to die. Again, we don't know the future. We can't control it. Calamity may come, but for us, that goodness matters. Jesus, I think, knew this too and embodied this kind of love. His life ended in violence on a cross, but that's not the ultimate end of the story, and it isn't for any of us that there is resurrection for all of us. So, friends, I invite you this week to think about what you choose, who you follow, what it is you want your life to say, to be a testament to, and how you will express that love and care and leadership for others and for the world. Thanks be to God for God's good gifts. Amen.